Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. It's been only about 48 hours since huge sections of the North Napa Valley and Lake County have been under evacuation orders. Since then, a whole city has sprung up at the Napa County Fairgrounds in Calistoga. And while we're hearing a great deal about the efforts to contain the fire, the need for supplies and volunteers, we've lost sight, I think, of some of the human stories that are unfolding out there. Karen Argood on special assignment for NapaBroadcasting.com has been on the scene at the Calistoga Fairgrounds. She joins us right now, and she has with her now Calistoga Mayor Chris Canning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, so Karen. I'm here at the Calistoga Fairgrounds, and uh, the the amount of people here, uh, actually there's no estimate, it's all estimated at this point. And um, I ran into the mayor of Calistoga, and I'm going to have him speak with us before he runs off somewhere else again. So, Jeff, here's the mayor. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hi, Chris. How are you? You've got, like, a whole additional city forming out there at the fairgrounds, it seems. We do. Yeah, we do indeed. Um, it's, uh, you know, a remarkable situation, an unfortunate situation, but um, I couldn't be more proud of our community and our people for, you know, the folks who have been impacted from Lee County. Uh, they're our neighbors, they're our friends, so we are just happy to be in a position to be able to help them. Um, everything from feeding to uh, donations of food, clothing, etc. cetera. Uh, with that, though, please, if you can get this out, please don't bring any more material items up here. Uh, we're a bit overwhelmed. We have plenty of stuff. Uh, the best thing to do that people can do is make donations to the Red Cross, um, who's facilitating the long-term relief efforts that they're going to have here as well. Do we know how many people are out there at the moment, Chris? And and what is the capacity? How many more can, can you handle? Could the fairgrounds handle at this point? The only estimates we can get at this point are is basically by how many people we feed per meal, and this is a very rough number. Um, but anywhere from six hundred in one meal to eight hundred to a thousand in another meal. So you know, probably safe to say eight hundred to a thousand of impacted folks. Um, but there's a lot of people who are kind of taking, doing their own thing, um, cooking for themselves out here. Uh, you know, if you were to do a flyover or just walk around, um, there are a significant number of people here. And how long can this sustain? Is there any kind of overall plan in terms of how long this will be operating? Well, we're, a lot of that's going to depend on Cal Fire when they can allow people to safely go back to the areas. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on the Ribbon Cross and how they're able to accommodate uh, those who are going to be impacted permanently um, in terms of the loss of their homes. Um, so at this point, you know, we're, we're prepared and have been told it could be a week to two that we have folks here that we're helping out um, until they can get better established. Uh, up in Lake County to uh, to handle their folks. And Chris, I, I know you've got to go, but but finally, talk a little bit about how this is all being coordinated. You have 800,000 people out there, food, shelter, all the supplies that have come in over the weekend. Who's coordinating all of this? How is that working? Well, the primary agency is the Red Cross. Um, then we have Napa County Sheriffs are involved, Napa County Public Health and Services. Um, and I'll tell you this, you know, the initial uh, kind of handling and coordination was the uh, residents of the city of Calistoga. I mean, this fire, as you probably reported and heard, it happened so quickly, nobody was prepared. Right. And it literally went from, you know, one hour they announced uh, on Saturday night that we were going to have a, a shelter here. And, bam, people from all over Calistoga showed up and started coordinating and directing people. Uh, now it's, it's, you know, quite a bit more organized. The Red Cross are, are, are 
doing what they do. Uh, but the folks here, the Calistogans here, running the two kitchens, you know, we've got chefs who are uh, locals who are doing a lot of the coordination of the volunteers for that. We've got taking in the food donations specifically to be able to be cooked like that. Um, so it's uh, it's getting more organized by the hour, but uh, the initial, the initial uh, kind of logistics were handled by Calistogans and and uh, our friends from the county. Calistoga Mayor Chris Canning. Chris, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so Jeff, I'm standing near the entrance of the Calistoga Fairground, and the site is quite impressive. There are people sorting through bags of blankets. I spoke with some 13-year-old boys from Hidden Valley who were carrying tents to set up out on the field. The, the field is probably about two football sizes worth of tents at this point. Wow. Um, with people that are, you know, fencing off their dogs. And I spoke with this one young lady with her uh, infant. And she said that they barely got out in time, but they were able to go to their parents' house and gather up the horses and all the animals. And uh, the whole family was here set up out on the, the fairground. In fact, she is right here with her, her son. And I'm going to see if I can talk to her. Hi, can I talk to Lucy one more time? I'm going to help. Okay, for, for Napa, for the okay so Jeff so I I have a beautiful little baby his name is Connor Connor and he's how old he's six months six months and he's too happy <laughs> he has like no idea what's going yeah. on he's loving the yes and, and can you get your name please I'm Justine Sucker Justine Sucker and Justine could you tell us a little bit about your having to what you just went through, and so people get an idea of really, you know. It's just crazy. Um, my apartment complex where we live is all gone. Um, we pretty much just come back from our birthday party, and um, next thing we know, like the fire's coming right into Middletown or thing, and we just had to like pack up as like all the birth certificates and clothes and food, and we did it within an hour and just kind of packed everything up over to my parents' house, and then we left their house all about maybe like three, four hours afterwards and came over here and we're trying to find stuff, you know, and trying to regroup as a team. And so you were telling me you have everybody set out, out uh, on the field, your whole family. What else? You saved everybody? We saved our horses and our dogs. We kind of, um, well, we know my parents' house is still standing. We're not sure what else is going on in town. We're just hoping that everybody stays safe out there and uh our horses are out in the field, you know, they're happy, they did really good throughout this, all the stress of all this. I mean, my little boy's been very happy throughout the stress of all this. He's kind of like, actually, the quiet, it keeps everybody calm. He's like, he's kind of handing around people that are, like, stressing. He's like, hold the baby for a minute, you'll feel better. <laughs> and then they do, so. So I see you're gathering goods. What do you, what do you have? You have? I got a lot of just clothes, diapers, and stuff for him. I got babysitter earlier, and a bunch of water. And this made me trying to get everything I can for him. I was like, me, I'm like, oh, I can survive in one pair of clothes for a couple of days. You know, I want to make sure he's good and has plenty of changing. So, I mean, what's it like to be displaced from your home? I mean, you seem so kind of grounded, and but I bet that you, you know. Oh, on the inside it hurts. It's hard, but I'm trying to stay grounded for the baby. 
And um, I've never been through anything like this before. Like, we watched a couple months ago that Rocky Fire hit a lot of us. Like, I knew a lot of people out there. And they got displaced from their homes. And we were, like, accepted for them, you know. We tried to help them out as we could. And then just now it happens to us. It's just crazy. We never, ever can imagine. And your hope is that you will go back. Yes. We're hoping that here in the next couple of days we'll be able to go back into town, see the damage, and just, you know... Work, work on our parents' place, you know, and everything, because I'll be staying with my parents for a while until I can get back on my feet on my own as a baby. So it's very, very hard. Karen, well, how, did, how did they know to go to the fairgrounds in Calistoga initially? How was that information disseminated? So how did, yeah, how did you know? I mean, I've heard also that you felt like the lack of time between when you were notified to leave and when you had to leave I heard there wasn't a lot of time, and, and people... Um, there wasn't a lot of time. All I know is that, because um, we probably left my apartment, it was around, like, 6 o'clock, and then a lot of the people from Cobb, the only reason I knew is from Facebook, all over social media, the radio, the news, they're saying that there's um, Red Cross was here and hosted a fairground. So, because of the Cobb people, I don't know how they found out about here, honestly, kind of through people telling us go to Calistoga, go to Calistoga. So it was word of mouth, so it was not an official announcement. No, not that I know of. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me again. You're welcome. And uh, take care of that little baby. I will. Okay. So, Jeff, as you can see, or as you can tell from the people that I'm speaking with today, I mean, people are, it's, it's, it's like in any situation where, you know, uh, an emergency situation, people sort of just get grounded and do what they need to do to survive. One of the things that seems clear from the people you've talked to and, and, and people that I've talked to today is that nobody really has much of an idea of what's going on back in, in Middletown or anywhere else that they came there from. It's really a complete mystery at this point. Correct. So there are a few people that, that do know. So I, I, there's a large Hispanic community uh, I, I've been speaking with that yeah, are going largely, uh, I would say, overlooked. And I'm, I'm hoping to find them again. But um, many of them lost their, they, they showed me pictures in a newspaper of their book cars. They showed me their apartment that was on fire. Uh, a lot of those people are people that lived in and around Harbin Hot Springs. I've spoken to quite a few people today who um, are employees of Harbin Hot Springs, mm -hmm. and they are, they just have no idea. They, they, they said they've lost their job, they've lost their home, they don't know if Harbin Hot Springs will open anytime soon again or how how much damage that has been incurred there. Um, I also spoke with one uh, grandmother who had her young granddaughter in tow and they were looking actually for her mother. Mm -hmm. and, and so they knew she was at the fairgrounds, but they had no way of finding out where she was. So there is that bit of chaos, and you would think with cell phones and social media, that would not be a problem, but I guess she has no uh, phone 
um, there's, there's a lot of poorer people, too, that, um, you know, a, a, a lot of people that are, are new to, um, to that area. They've just come from Mexico. They've just found work. They're working at the casino or at Harbin Hot Springs. And so they literally have nothing. Uh, their, their house, everything is gone. So they, they just don't even know what they're going to do once um, the, this, this temporary housing situation and care is over. What, if anything, is the medical situation there? Is, are there medical services being provided? Is there much of a need at this point? Well, that's a very good question. So, actually, I did speak with some coordinators, healthcare coordinators, who are too busy to to give me too much information. Other than they are setting up areas where people can come to if they're sick or if they have uh, medical needs that need attention. Um, there is an area at the fairgrounds where it's all enclosed with this car and there's cots in there and they have tables directing people to uh, medical services. There's a kids play area. Um, there's a little bit of disorganization as far as the registering. Um, I'm going to speak here with some of the, the volunteer coordinators. I mean, it, it's, it's still being organized as we I think that the turnout of that meeting is, is overwhelming. Um, like, are the mayor was saying, uh, Karen, are there people still coming into the fairgrounds at this point? Yes, there are. There are still people coming in. And uh, they're coming in, you know, not in large, I think it's just families here and there that are just coming in. There's, uh, you know, people that, that like, that are just walking through the door and looking dazed and confused and then someone helps them and sort then they come over and they sort through all the clothing and they get their bedding and they get their tents and but there's absolutely no more need for I can tell you for the community to provide clothing or there's just piles of clothing, piles of toys. And, book, and the problem is that it's needing organization. Um, and there are people here doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can speak with one of the... Are you here volunteering? Are you volunteering? Can I um, just uh, speak with you for a minute? I'm sure. Karen Argood with NEPA Broadcasting. Oh, hi. And your name is? Charles O'Neill. Charles O'Neill. And you are resident of... Runner Park. Runner Park. He's in Runner Park now. Lion. So can you tell me ah can you tell me a little bit about what the what you're doing here? Well, I'm helping my wife and our friend. We're sorting the clothes. We have a lot of clothes donations. We're trying to sort them out. So uh, we have like jackets in one place. We're sorting out uh, women's extra large clothing. So we're putting them in one spot. So it's a lot easier for people to be able to find things. Because right now it's a mountain of clothes and. All different color, all different sizes, and and a little confusing. So, for people who want to come and help, I mean, really, what would be the need? Well, the need they have right now is is basically to help sort the clothes and get them separated, and so it'd be easy for people to to get to them and get what they need 
especially like jackets if it gets cold tonight, a lot of jackets to wear. And um, we have some people actually right now kind of going through some of the clothing, looking for things they need. Okay. So, and how did you find out about helping out here? Well, of course, we heard through the news, and um, I received a call from our district governor, Phyllis Rogers, of, of, of our district alliance, and she asked me, I happen to be a zone chairman, and I have six, six clubs in my zone. So I sent out an email blast all of them saying, hey, the fire, oh, I need some help. Come on up, give me a hand. Uh, request of the district governor to get up here and do this. Um, and uh, we just want, we have friends that actually live up here, and we know they lost their homes and stuff. So that was just another inspiration to get up here. Well, thank you so much no for your time and effort. No problem. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible when he said in a, a mountain of clothes. Uh, Jeff, I have here something I was speaking to earlier. Um, perhaps you'll speak with me now. I'll translate for you. you want to do that really quickly? Actually, I'll speak with her daughter. Hi. Can you talking with me one more time? I'm, I'm talking live with somebody in Napa, the Napa Broadcasting Station. Um, and tell me your name one more time. Jacqueline Bergenio. Ja- Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline is 17. 19, I'm sorry. Jacqueline is a beautiful young girl, 19 years old. And uh, Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about, she's here sorting through some clothing because they really... Uh, you, you lost everything? Yeah, everything. I lo- we lost our um, car. We don't really have anything at all. Maybe we kind of get here right now. The things are necessary. So, you were working at Harbin Hospital? Yes, I was. Yeah. What did you do there? Uh, I'm a housekeeper. So, we don't know what what happened to you on a lot of uncertainty. Actually, I found out that uh, and it's like gone. We're having a little trouble hearing her, Karen. Okay. So if you could speak a little bit about it. So tell me what about the fire. When like when you you said that you, you felt like you didn't get enough notice. Can you tell me a little bit about the experience that you had? Well, I was at work and then all of a sudden I see like the, I saw like some smoke but I didn't think it was, like, too bad. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be, like, a big fire. So I thought that by the time I was going to get home, it was probably going to be, you know, um, over. Um, but um, when I was working, um, people started, like, screaming because they could see the fire. So everybody started running, and um, we didn't get any notice from uh, the sheriff. So we started evacuating it ourselves. And um, once everybody was gone, that's when the sheriff decided to tell us that we needed to evacuate, even though the fire was, like, right there. And then I drove home after that, and um, I was actually about to, like, you know, go to sleep and take a nap. And um, but at that point, you still didn't realize. I, I didn't think it was going to be a big fire. I thought it was going to be, you know, like, just a little fire that was going to get, you know, put out by the time... I was home, and um, my I, the only reason why why I evacuated it is because my neighbor told me that you had to you had to leave because the fire was all the way to the school, 
So that's when um, I decided to leave because I could actually see the, the fire. So I only had like 15 minutes to get all my stuff because, you know, it looked really bad. I feel like we didn't get enough notice. You know, nobody was there. There was no sheriff, nothing. Um, we got, I got what I could and then I left. And by the time everybody was, nobody was there, that's when the sheriff decided to show up. When you say that, do you mean that the sheriff was attending to other people? No, they were here. Yeah, they were barely there. Well, the fire did progress rapidly, right? Yeah, um, so I get off of work at 4, and I got home like around 4 or 10, because it's like 10 minutes away. In an hour, it went, like, in an hour, it went from Harvard to middle. Yeah. Do you have nothing left? Absolutely nothing. We don't have a car. We don't have anything. We don't even know what we're going to do after, after this. Well, you're a young girl, and I'm, and and uh, I think you 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 know hopefully you have have hope at this point. Yeah, I mean, our jobs are gone. Not only our houses, you know, are gone. Our jobs are gone. Our stuff. But I mean, I guess we just have to start all over again. Well, thank you so much for speaking with you all today. Yeah. Okay. Thank. Yes. Yes. All right, so um, I'm in the uh, I'm in the main hall here at the Calistoga Fairgrounds, and there's the tent that is directing people for the help. Um, quite a few spots here, but yeah, I mean, what what's impressive about the tent here is that despite its its lack of organization, there there's an inherent organization of volunteers and the people looking out for each other and I saw some teenagers from Calistoga High School helping hold a baby while the mother was looking for clothing. Um, a young boy came up to me and said, can I have some of these pancakes? And I helped serve him some pancakes mm -hmm. while I was waiting to speak with the mayor. So it's really about um, Everyone just stepping up and pitching in, and uh, the community of Middletown, they seem, the people that I've spoken to, they seem determined to go back and uh, rebuild whatever they can rebuild when they return. What kind of presence is there for law enforcement there? Um, the law enforcement is, is very unapparent. I would say. I saw perhaps a few police cars at the exterior, the parameters of the house of the fairgrounds. But, for example, I entered a side gate, and I don't think one person asked me who I was or where I'm going. Um, I, I, was, I was very surprised by, by that. But, but that being said, you know, we are in Calistoga, and... There's a feeling of being safe, and um, it's, it's impressive, actually. They have an area cordoned off just for children, a big, huge play area. There's kids with train tracks and there's art tables everywhere, and uh, I think that's, that's incredibly uh, 
insightful. Karen, I understand that you have Napa County Superintendent of Schools, Barbara Nemco, with you. Good morning. Hello there. Good morning. Uh, I just came up to bring a couple of bags of stuffed animals because children are children. And if your house burns down, I can't think of anything that you need more than a, a lovey to hold and hug and pet. And <laughs> it makes kids feel more secure. So we brought a couple of bags. Well, that's great. Talk a little bit about the impact with with respect to schools that are in Napa County and Howell Mountain and up in Angwin and even in Calistoga where things are uh, a little turned upside down. Well, you know that Howell and Pope are closed today, right. and we don't know how long that's going to be. It depends on evacuations and things. We do suspect that some kids from Lake County may end up going to school in Calistoga, could be temporary, could be a very long temporary. We just don't know. Right. So we're trying to coordinate what services and funding would be available from the CDE and from the state, what kind of paperwork has to be filed because of the emergency school closings. And at this moment, everybody is a little unclear. Nobody expected this, as you know. Right. Um, so each time you have a major disaster like this, takes a couple of days to sort out what you can do and who can help you. Right. And talk a little bit about the coordination that, that you're involved in or that's going on now between Lake County and Napa County in terms of, of the school issue that you're talking about. Well, we've been in touch with the Lake County Superintendent of Schools and Esmeralda Montregon, the Superintendent of Calistoga, has talked to the Middletown Superintendent. No school, no public schools in Middletown burned down. Mm -hmm. So that's the good news. Um, but because kids don't have homes, uh, we don't know where they're going to stay. I understand even Mendocino County has been affected because some families from Lake County went up to Mendocino County and are currently staying in motels up there. So we will absolutely all try to coordinate, but it depends where the families choose to settle and which schools the kids will go to. And, and talk a little bit finally before I let you go about Calistoga schools and, and do they have the capacity to absorb more at this point and uh, how's that going to work? That's a good question. Uh, so I know Calistoga Elementary School is pretty full. It uh, depends how many kids might want to be in Calistoga Elementary. Uh, again, we are absolutely just sorting everything out when I got here to the fairgrounds. They're not sure what exactly is going on. So I come here with two bags of stuffed animals, and there's a big corner of things for kids, but there are no kids in the corner at the moment taking things. <laughs> so there, we're all just, everybody's trying to do the best they can. You have so many volunteers that nobody's really sure. The other thing you'll enjoy hearing is uh, the farm at Vintage contacted Napa Valley Unified to see if they would be all right. And they said, yes, it's okay. So we can shelter some livestock at the Vintage Farm. Oh, good. <laughs> well, it's good to know yeah. that everybody has pitched in in one way or another. Absolutely. I have Ken Burkhardt here, who's the superintendent in Pope Valley, because his families were evacuated. And, and in Did you want to talk to him? Yeah, it, it, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. He's right here. Ken Burkhart, right. Jeff Jackson. Hello. Hi, Hi. Ken. How are you? I, I, I'm well, thank I, you. I understand you're dealing with the school situation, but you're also dealing with your own personal situation. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on. 
Personally, I, I'm not affected. I actually live in Napa, but I, about half of my staff live in various states, and they have been affected. They um, have all safely evacuated and have checked in with me. We've actually been communicating through uh, cell phones, uh, group texting back and forth. And so we've been doing um, everything we can to keep informed as much as possible. Uh, the staff is holding up very well. Uh, and like I said, everybody is safe. The families we know of, they're all safe and out. We're just waiting to find out uh, the evacuation status. If any of our community is evacuated, then we're going to stay closed. Uh, I would say close to half of our students and staff live in the Berryessa State's area. Mm-hmm. And if they're closed, we're closed. Right. Uh, I have heard that we, the school itself is no longer under evacuation uh, just a little bit ago, but that doesn't make any, any change for anybody else. Right. So at, th- at this point, it's really completely unclear when the school might or be able to reopen. That's correct. Uh, Pope Valley will remain closed as long as the various estates area and uh, Butts Canyon Road, uh, which is the access to various estates, as long as that is closed, then Pope Valley School will remain closed. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah. All right. Well, I was thinking about maybe talking to one of these children here. Let me, um, let me, let me ask you uh, one other question. There's been talk all day of, you know, possibility of rain in the next day or so, which would certainly be good for the firefighters, but maybe not so good for the situation there. What conversation have you heard in that regard? Actually, that's, that's very interesting. One of the, the, the girls, young girls who was looking through the toys to her mother, Mama, here's an umbrella in case it rains. There were a few sprinkles this morning. Um, I don't think at this point anything is set up with rain in mind. The food is, uh, is outdoors and in front of the Calisoda Cafe at the fairgrounds and it's set up all outside. There is quite a bit of clothing that is exposed, but nothing covering it. So I think that might be a bit of a scramble if, uh, if the rain should come. Um, people in Kansas Court will, will be fine, and then they have this large hallway with spots available. Uh, but I don't think there's any preparation at this point for rain. Talk about where all the food is coming from. You know, we talked about all the clothing and toys and all the things that have been brought. Where, where is all the food coming from at this point? The food is just being donated, like the clothing. Um, I was over earlier, and they were serving pancakes and fresh fruit. They were getting things ready for lunch. I saw potatoes and meat. And, uh, you know, but, but I'm not I'm not quite sure. There's quite a, a bit of dog food and um, food for animals. There's, there's quite a bit of people here with, with their animals. Um, and uh, but l- let me see if I can I can find out a, a little bit more. There's there's you'd be surprised at what the here and what's needed. There's um, strollers. There's uh, car seats, there's things for uh, infants, um, like uh, playpens, and there's people in nursing uniforms walking around through the tent facilities, just making sure that everyone's okay. There's truckloads of people that just have, you know, chairs and stuffed animals wow. and 
on their back. Um, boys running by with footballs and Coca-Colas. And, I mean, in, in, in one aspect, you know, if this weren't such a uh, emergency situation tragedy, you know, it probably would think that this would be, this would be you know, absolute where people are gathering mm-hmm. and discussing what happened and talking to each other about sharing their stories. So, you know, it's, it's what people do when, when tragedy strikes, they, they come together. The real question, I suppose, is that right now there's a sense of, or seemingly a sense of camaraderie and a sense of novelty to the whole thing. If, if everybody is there for a protracted number of days, you have a feeling it's going to be more difficult. Tempers will get shorter. It'll be a more difficult situation. Yeah, yeah. It's, the energy is fresh right now. I think there's, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty, but um, everybody is, uh, is stepping up to the plate. I'm here uh, with some staff and uh, in front of the Calisthenics Speedway where they're serving uh, the food for everyone. Um, can you tell me your name and, and just very quickly? Yeah. For broadcasting. Oh, okay. My name is Greg Bugaris. I work with the Boys and Girls Club here in town. So, Greg, can you talk where the majority of the food is coming from? It's feeding between 800 and almost 1,000 people is what I'm hearing. Well, it's 100% local donations. It's really turned out for that. Wow, yeah. so the food is just, like, so... Well, there's a gentleman from CIA, Culinary uh, Institute of America, who's coordinating all the efforts here. And then, uh, yeah, it's been really great food. Because the kids and adults have all been enjoying it. And who's cooking? Um, volunteers. Uh, right over here, we have Mark Galindo and Ellie Galindo, um, local residents. And they're leading this part of the shelter. And then we've got uh, some of the school cooks over at the, uh, the other one at the Butler Pavilion. And this is, a, this is the main facility where you're, you're seeing everyone? From? This is one of two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where's the other one? A lot of ones right over there in the Butler Pavilion. Okay. So if someone to, to get here and not know where to go as far as, you know, food-wise, this is just... Oh, the smell. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Speedway or the other area is... Yeah, the Butler Pavilion. The Butler Pavilion. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Jeff, you have any other questions? Is there, is there a plan to get names and, and really have a list of all the people that are there at some point? That's what I have been trying to find out. I spoke with a, a frustrated Red Cross... Uh, registration person and he said we're, we're really we're having issues with that he said i i that's when we were looking for the mom of this this little girl and and the grandmother said we know she's here but we don't know where and how to get a hold of her and he couldn't help and he, he, he said that that there is an issue at that point that that there's not really a clear way to register and track Who's arriving? Um, you know, where are they located within the fairgrounds? I think that um, it could create a little bit of issue mm-hmm. in the near future. In that, you, know, you have a lot of young kids running around here. You have teens, you have nineteen-year-olds. You have. Right. I mean, I mean, there there could. There could be a bit of chaos if if there's not some sort of organized system of controlling things. Do you see? You know what I'm saying. So, um, I think that perhaps maybe people are meeting now to discuss to discuss that. 
how large a presence is there from the Red Cross right now? Uh, very large. There's, there's several vans. Um, the Red Cross has set up. They're the ones that have set up the signs for the medical service. They're the ones that are trying to organize the volunteers. They are at the very front um, of the entrance to the Calistoga Fairgrounds uh, trying to also uh, register people. Hmm. But so many gates are open that there's not one direct access or entrance. Right. So I think that that's a little bit of a confusion is, you know, people are arriving in different areas. There's not one central place to come to register and then be, be sort of um, told, okay, you go head over to that location. So that is not happening at all. Right. I mean, people are just ri- arriving and they're sort of going to where there's a space that they can put up a tent. The concern there, and we touched on this a little bit earlier with respect to law enforcement, is that it also potentially presents some security concerns down the road. Yeah, correct. And, you know, we don't want to be naysayers or, or look at things in you know a negative light that way. I mean, I'm, I'm walking through the, the tent city here. We could actually call this a bit of a tent city. It's, it's rather impressive. Uh, there's RVs sprinkled in between... Uh, you know, probably hundreds of tents set up at this point um, in cars, and I don't see any uh, police official that I could speak with at, at this point to get some more information from as far as how, how they're going to deal with security this evening. And have a lot of new people come in today? I mean, has the population increased since last night? Do you know? Well, I think the population the population has increased since this morning since when i arrived earlier this morning um there seems to be quite a few more people going through the clothing there seems to be quite a few more cars arriving and uh of course the media is starting to descend upon (laughs) the fairgrounds as well as you can imagine Well, I thank you for being there for us. I really appreciate it, Karen, and uh, we'll continue to uh, update folks on what's going on there as uh, events warrant and dictate. Absolutely. Perhaps uh, maybe later this evening uh, we'll get another update of the, have more of a sense of how many people are actually here and a way of trying to find locating people and for those who are listening who need to locate uh, friends and family and um, to, to find out where they are and if they're safely evacuated. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Karen. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you later. That's Karen Orgood reporting on special assignment for NapaBroadcasting.com. We'll be back with more programming over the next couple of days to keep you up to date on events connected with the Valley Fire.